0: Hey, and welcome back to the All Things, All People podcast, where we're talking to Christian thinkers or we're Christians thinking. I want to go ahead and say thank you to everybody who's been listening over the last few weeks. The response so far has been awesome to the episodes so far, and and especially to last week's episode. If you haven't listened to it, it's with Dr. Karen Swallow Pryor, who's a prolific author, evangelical, perspective giver, intellectual, all these other things. Uh, Her intro that i read on last week's episode took like almost a minute to read uh and so uh it was an amazing conversation thank you to dr prior for participating in that hopefully it's not the last time that our our paths cross but i want to go ahead and say thank you to everybody who's been listening and if you have and you really enjoyed it go ahead and leave an awesome review in whatever form or fashion that is so if you're itunes you're an apple person Go to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review and a nice little note saying, I love all things, all people. Jeremy does a halfway decent job or something like that. Don't post that verbatim. But uh, but yeah, you know, if it's Spotify or something else, share it, like it, subscribe, whatever it is, because it's been amazing to see the audience grow. And genuinely, the reason I'm doing this is twofold. I want to glorify God in everything that I have the opportunity to do. And if I get the opportunity to talk to amazing uh, Christians who are out in the world doing interesting and amazing things, I I just want to do that, right? That's that's just something I want to do, and this podcast is allowing me to do that. But then also, I want to see as many people, Christians and non-Christians alike, hear the things that the people that are on this show have to say. And today's no different and so make sure you're sharing it with your friends whether they're Christians or not if if you think that there's a particular episode that a friend of yours would enjoy hit him up with it and and just see what happens because it's a great it's a great conversation starter so and that's what I think today's going to be uh, today we are addressing uh, charismatic theology charismatic worship etc cetera, etc cetera. and the way that we're doing that is By doing a little bit of question and discussion With a dear friend of mine, Caleb Edwards As you're going to hear in a few minutes Caleb is one of the lead worship leaders At the International House of Prayer in Kansas City Otherwise known as IHOP And uh, IHOP is in a really amazing ministry Uh, Since 1999, they have been praying and worshiping 24-7 I'm going to say that again Since 1999, they have been praying and worshiping 24-7 one room it's a really amazing thing to see I've been there a couple times like I said Caleb's a good friend of mine and you're gonna hear more about him in a minute but the reason we're doing this is because I'm on social media and I see how much confusion there is both outside of charismatic groups looking inward and saying gosh what they're doing is completely off base and before anybody starts typing anything negative yeah sometimes it is for sure there's definitely some crazy stuff going on in the charismatic movement that is completely unbiblical and um, is, is false and misleading and and this podcast is not about justifying these extreme unbiblical um, heretical practices but also inside and outside the charismatic movement there there is um, just really a lack of understanding of how charismatic theology, Really is biblical theology in a lot of ways, and especially when it comes to just the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer and the church. And I say it in the discussion with Caleb, but one thing that I want listeners to hear is that when we're talking about the charismatic church, we're talking about the global church, the church in the United States, the Western church, as sometimes we might call it, because there's some other countries that are grouped in with us Western Europe, um, the United States, Canada we all sort of think similar, but we are in a vast minority when it comes to the study of the Holy Spirit and to the understanding of the Holy Spirit. The vast majority of Christians worldwide are continualists, which continualists means that they believe that the Holy Spirit is active today in a way that brings about what might be called the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now you'll also run into another group called cessationists. Or those who believe that the gifts of the Spirit have ceased and they have their reasons for that this podcast is not about um, you know dispelling cessationist theology but I am a continualist over and over again in both my Bible study I see a, a vibrant Holy Spirit in the gospel in Acts in, in a, through the epistles in revelation that seems as if it's an integral part of the life of the Christian believer. And I see nothing in scripture that tells me that that has ended. Now also in my own life and as a pastor, as a as a as somebody who's traveled around the world and also just as a Christian, I've seen over and over again that the Holy Spirit has business to do today. And the way that the Holy Spirit often does that is by empowering believers in a way that brings about these manifest gifts. And so all that to say, I wanted my friend caleb to come on because i think he has an interesting perspective now he he's going to tell some amazing stuff a couple of awesome stories my favorite story uh that he tells is about pig farmers and north korea and the gospel and you're going to be blown away by it it's just absolutely astounding now caleb might say something some things that you disagree with and that's perfectly fine uh caleb's my dear friend and he says things that i disagree with sometimes and vice versa i'm sure so here's the thing follow caleb at caleb d edwards on instagram um, and also at naoth movement which is in the show notes it's a difficult word to spell but caleb is in the process of helping raise up a generation of worship leaders who are who are devoted to seeing night and day prayer and worship raise up all over the world which you're going to understand more here in a few minutes and so put your thinking caps on if you're from a different theological background than charismatics that's perfectly fine because next week i'm talking to an anglican and so uh you know we're just gonna get crazy here uh at the all things all people podcast and then like the week after that uh somebody from calvary chapel and it's just gonna get really diverse and so i'm super excited i hope you're super excited and i hope that you enjoy meeting my friend caleb and so let's get to the podcast So uh, today, talking about, uh, honestly, one of the most important topics in the church in the United States right now, uh, as we've seen a rise in what we might call charismatic churches, uh, the charismatic movement, um, is my, my dear friend, Caleb Edwards, uh, who is a part of the International House of Prayer in Kansas City. Uh, Caleb and I uh, are... are I pastor in what is his hometown. We were youth pastors right down the street from each other. And, uh, and he uh, ended up at, at the church that I, I'm a pastor at. Dear friend of mine, dear brother. And I love what, he, what he's doing. Uh, Caleb, thanks so much for hanging out and being part of this show. Oh, that's awesome, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. Um, so the reason I wanted to have Caleb on is, and I just joked with him kind of in our, our virtual green room, is Car- Caleb is, uh, I joke with him, he's like my token charismatic friend uh, <laughs> even though I, I'm, I'm quite charismatic myself but um, Caleb like I said is one of the lead worship leaders at the International House of Prayer in Kansas City uh, otherwise known as IHOP and if you don't know much about IHOP you really need to um, it is an amazing ministry since 1999 uh, led by a guy named Mike Bickle who himself is is a heck of a worshiper um, A biblical scholar pastor um, but led by a guy named Mike Bickle started worshiping and praying in 1999 and here we are you know 21 years later uh, they've kept the fire going in the prayer room as it's called and Caleb is a part of of leading a team uh, sometimes multiple teams a day really uh, through two-hour sets of of worship and, and simultaneous prayer um, I've been out there multiple times myself and it's, it's such a blessing. Um, Caleb, if, if you can just for people who might be unfamiliar, what, what really is the mission of IHOP and and what does it kind of look like for you being a part of that, that ministry?
1: Yeah. Thank you, Jeremy. Um- IHOP is uh, it's an evangelical missions organization. It started in September of 1999, and the, the the mission and the mandate was simple: to give the Lord a place on the earth where He was worshipped and adored day and night without ceasing. Uh, you know, we've got Walmart that's open 24 hours. We've got Walgreens that's open 24 hours. But are there places on the earth where uh, it's open 24 hours and the Lord is receiving the glory due His name? day and night without ceasing and the people of God have a place to go where they can uh, corporately worship the Lord and enter into the place of prayer and intercession together. And and so that was the, 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 the mission and the mandate. Um, We kind of, we operate as a missions organization. Um, uh, Everything that we do is combined um, or or rather not combined, but, but, but comes out of that, that prayer room, that 24 seven prayer room. But back in 2009, um, the mandate began to develop, and uh, and the mission uh, began to develop to accompany and combine both twenty four seven worship and prayer with twenty four seven works of justice and active missions. And so, out of that, we had a vibrant mission school that was birthed, and um, you know I've sent a lot of frontline missionaries out into the field through our ACT school that uh, that a few years ago moved to Colorado Springs, but we're still deeply connected with and. Uh, and so it's been a we have a you know partnership with several of the largest missions organizations in the world uh youth with a mission uh campus crusade for christ or now it's called crew um we're connected and and uh have deep partnership with ehc which is every home for christ it's uh considered to be uh the most fruitful soul winning ministry in human history i've seen more people come to jesus and and so, uh, we've, we've, we've partnered with them to help to establish where everywhere there's an EHC mission space where we want to see a, uh, a prayer, uh, an expression of day and night worship and prayer established. And so, uh, we pray for all with them. And so, uh, so yeah, our primary ministry and focus is ministering to the Lord, um, um, as a way of, you know, kind of, uh, releasing his promises over over uh cities and regions and nations all across the world so uh yeah and it's been going on like you said 21 years um right my wife my wife kayla and i've been a part of it um uh, as staff members as missionary staff intercessory missionaries is what we're called um it's kind of a weird term but it's yeah, what we're called now <laughs> um it just means prayer missionaries. We're, we're right. missionaries who pray a lot. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so um, basically, uh, we've been there for seven years. Actually, July 5th, we celebrate our seventh mm. year here.
0: Yeah. Um, so, a third. Yeah. Yeah. A third of the of the lifetime, really. I mean, it's kind of wild to think about. Yeah. Close to it. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, well, and so, you know, to those listening who, whether they've heard of IHOP or not, um, I, I speak personally. As somebody who who does who does love that ministry, um, and loves what I see, uh, I heard you say one time we were hanging out a few months ago, and um, you told me that it, throughout the course of this, you know, planting of prayer houses, prayer movements, and and it and it looks different everywhere all around the world. But you you've actually heard of studies that show like where there's a prayer movement typically. The church blossoms around it. Um, uh-huh. what, what, what was kind of the gist of that? Just for anybody who's listening who kind of says, okay, you're a missionary. Missionaries are supposed to go tell people about Jesus. And, and personally, I know that you do. Um, but like, there's a misconception that an intercessory missionary is a misnomer. But I've actually heard you say, like, no, like Christians are beginning to see that having one of these houses of prayer leads to the blossoming of the Lord's work all around it.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. So we have stories upon stories upon stories that that tell the truth of that. Um, but also, there's there's a couple of different missional organizations that have done uh, not not direct studies correlating or, or linking uh, the presence of expressions of day and night worship and prayer with the effectiveness of other gospel uh, focused ministry, such as the blossoming of the church or soul winning. You know, evangelizing all those different you know all the different expressions of missions that we hear about um there is you know I mean Joshua Project has done though some studies related to different regions that have seen an, an increase in the effectiveness of the gospel and um, through other organizations that we're aware of and that we're partnered with, we, we can see direct correlations between that shift in uh, f- the effectiveness of the preaching of the gospel as far as fruit response of, of actual human beings and human souls coming to know Jesus tied with the establishing and the planting of centers and places of day and night worship and prayer. Now, when I say day and night, it doesn't always mean 24-7, right? 24-7 is not the goal necessarily. It's giving... the lord more than just um you know kind of a token offering of our adoration it's saying he deserves all that we have to give and you know sometimes all that we have to give is a couple of loaves and a couple of fish but he'll touch it he'll bless it and he'll make it enough just like he did with those loaves and fish and so um i'll quickly just share a very 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 brief oh yeah go ahead yeah got a relationship uh, down in Brazil for example I think I've shared this story with you before Jeremy but I'll share yeah. it for our listeners today um, uh, relationship with a ministry down in uh, down in Brazil um, and the story was shared um, with me uh, of what the Lord did there was a pig farmer a very wealthy, pig farmer mm, yeah. um, in Brazil that somehow he, he previously owned chicken farms. He sold all his chicken farms and had all this money thought he was retired. And he goes and he feels led to launch this um, house of prayer at the geodesic center of South America in a city called Cuiabá in Brazil. And they, they launched this house of prayer. He goes there and uh, you know, the, the a whole lot of details of how the Lord supernaturally provided for this play, like gave him the the building the building was for sale that literally had a plaque on the front of it that says here marks the exact geodesic center of brazil and this building was for sale uh and so the guy bought it right away <laughs> you know i mean all of these different little little things like that yeah. you know that the lord's showing that this was real and, uh, and then so he starts it this thing's going for a little bit and and then he starts feeling like the lord's leading him to go back into farming and so he you know and when i say he was a farmer he wasn't like he had a Couple of chickens, like he was one of the largest producers of poultry in the in the southern region of the country, um, and so then he goes into pig farming and builds this large. He had the opportunity to buy this large pig farming business, and he builds it and 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 gets connected North Korea. And the North Korean government wanted to buy pork from this guy, and he's like, "I don't want to deal with North Korea." But the Lord was like, "No, there's something I want to do here." So he gets flown to North Korea, gets into the country, has nego- is sitting at the negotiation table, um, you know, and he ends up saying, I feeling like he's supposed to sign a deal with the North Korean government to sell them pork, to sell them pig meat, you know, and uh, and they they look across the table at the end of it and they say he hadn't he hadn't committed fully yet. And so they're trying to sell him because not a lot of people want to do business with North Korea. Right. Right. Yeah. And so, um, they look across the table and they say, you know, there's, um, is there anything else that we can do to sweeten the deal here for you to get you to, to say yes, to sign this deal with us. And he has the immediate presence of, of, of mind and heart, the prompting of the Holy spirit, if you will, to say, um, yeah, I actually want a government-funded private building and place um, where I can bring people in um, to, uh, you know, do, I mean, he I don't know exactly what he said to them was going to yeah. be happening there, um, but his intent was to establish a house of prayer right there in the middle of Pyongyang in North Korea. Right. And so now because this chicken farmer turned house of prayer leader, turned pig farmer, uh, the Lord in his sovereignty gets him connected there. And because of this pig farming deal, there's now an expression of day and night worship and prayer that's happening in north korea when christian missionaries have been trying to get into that nation in so many different ways through so many different avenues and have been rejected and have been killed and have been martyred over and over again Mm. and this guy part of the prayer movement believes in the power of day and night worship and prayer he gets invited in by the government and not only does he get invited in but this place gets funded by the government Mm -hmm. that the building is paid for by the government. The lights are paid for by the government. All the different things are paid for by the, by the North Korean government. And so it's like what man cannot do in his own strength and power in missions, effort and strategy, God can do in a moment Mm -hmm. um, when we just cast our strength upon him in the place of worship and prayer and wait and listen and discern his voice and follow the, the leadership of our good and perfect shepherd. And so, yeah, I mean, I don't know if that fully answers the question oh, yeah. that you had, but but there is an obvious correlation mm-hmm. that's becoming more apparent uh, yeah. between uh day and night worship and prayer and uh and and how the gospel is gaining entrance to the hardest yeah. hearts and the hardest places on
0: earth. Yeah. Well, and, and dude, I love that story so much. I've heard you tell it a few times now, and I never get tired of hearing it. And and I suppose you know, for my listeners, some of whom might come from backgrounds where stories like that are looked at skeptically, or, you know, I don't know, maybe they just never had an opportunity to hear a story like that. Um, I I would go right away and say that the first time I heard that story, and I've heard so many like that from, I don't know, I mean, all corners of the world, I hang around with missionaries all the time. And I suppose that right away, as Christians, we need to, to, to check ourselves that we are surprised when we hear those stories. Like we, we yeah. shouldn't be surprised that we were like, oh, there's a body of believers who are praying day and night in some form. It's not always 24 seven, like you said, it, that was the mission of IHOP. But, um, you know, why is it that we're, you know, that we are surprised so often when we hear, oh, prayer actually affects missions and yeah. social justice and all of these things. And so often, you know, somebody sets out and says, I want to start a social justice mission. And they exclude prayer, or they say, "I want to start a, you know, an evangelism ministry," but they exclude prayer. But then, when we turn our eyes to the Lord, and when we really turn our calendars and our time, and say, "All right, we're just going to get a group of people together and just pray," we're so often surprised. I think some of that is, and and this is where I want to talk to you about and, and hear specifically your heart on some of these questions that people submitted. I think oftentimes, at least in the American church. We are so, uh, intent upon disproving other traditions, other denominations. And right now, I think maybe more than ever, the charismatic tradition, and there's different manifestations, right? You have, you have some that look completely different than IHOP, but I think the charismatic tradition is, is one that's greatly misunderstood right now. And, and partly that is because, um, you know there are some people in the charismatic tradition just as if there are any in any other tradition that um that are incorrect in some of their theology are incorrect or at least misguided in some of their Absolutely. practices um Absolutely. and so people see that and they just kind of turn themselves off to to everybody involved in in what might be considered charismatic and so i'll just start off by saying i i've said this before but i think friendly fire amongst christians is is just is killing the church. Um, and I think that if if you're listening to this and you hear Caleb tell that story and some of the things he's already said, and you just go, ah, that's, that's made up or something like that. I'm going to encourage and challenge you. Um, listen with an open heart and mind to some of the things we're going to talk about even for the rest of this time, because I genuinely believe that if even if you disagree with other Christians, as long as they're orthodox in their core theology, um, We can worship in Spirit and Truth together, and so, um, and and by the way, too, also, and this is just once again to listeners, the when we're talking about the charismatic church, we're talking about the global church, the Western church, the United States uh, is is maybe in the minority, definitely in the minority, in that we're still having this conversation. Most Christians all over the world would be classified in some form or fashion. As charismatic in that they believe that the Holy Spirit is alive and active in a very real and tangible way today um, and so so Caleb, we had a couple questions that I, I got hit up with on, on Instagram and email and I want to just go through these and just give people an idea of what um, you know what a, a, a good answer to these questions might be from somebody like yourself who's involved in a ministry like like ihop and, and the first one is a great one to start with is uh, are the gifts active today? Um, and of course, when we talk about gifts, we're talking about the spiritual gifts that that Paul lists out, quite a few of them really, um, prophecy, evangelism, exhortation, teaching, preaching. um he there's 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 quite a few places where he's listed out. and so um, of course, tongues, interpretation of tongues, so on and so on. But the question uh, first is, are the gifts active today? and and what would the biblical basis be for a response that they are active today? Can you kind of speak to that for a few minutes?
1: Uh yeah, absolutely. you know I want to say first that 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 I think at a definitional level um every true believer and, and bear with me as I say this because it can sound like I'm saying something really intense, but I'm not really uh, every true believer must be by definition charismatic, and this is why because the word Charismatic comes from the Greek char, charismatai. Charis is the word grace. Yeah. And then matai is the, the adage that speaks of the gifts of grace. And so to say that I am a charismatic charismatai, I am one who has received and therefore finds some level of identity um, around being gifted a measure of grace. And so every single believer has been given uh, grace. And so now, what do we believe about the full power? and accomplishment of that grace? Do we believe that it just stamps our ticket to be able to spend eternity in heaven with Jesus? Or do we believe that it actually is an empowering grace that doesn't just forgive us of sin and and, and, and sweep things out of the way, but actually fills us with something that empowers us, that something being the Holy Spirit, that empowers us to live differently, mm. Right. I mean, Jesus did a lot of crazy things, right? Mm-hmm. He did a lot of crazy works. He healed people. He raised people from the dead. He uh, he opened blind eyes and opened deaf ears and cast out demons and cleansed lepers. And he told his disciples, he said, "Go do the same," mm-hmm. you know. And we some, you know, he says, "Go," and you know, he tells the he tells the seventy, go into the the villages and knock on the door two by two, right. And when they, uh, when they answered the door, the first thing you're supposed to say to them is, is there anybody in your house that's sick that needs healed? Is there any leper in your house that needs cleansed? Is there any, is there any problem with anybody in your house that you need a supernatural miracle work to happen? Right. And he's like, then I want you to heal that sick person. And mm. when you do that, they'll invite you into their home. Yeah. And then you're going to tell them the kingdom of God has drawn near. Mm. Right. And so, you know, we love the the evangelism aspect of do- knock door to door and yeah. go there, but when it comes to the thing that we can't do in our own strength and power, then we suddenly begin to say, oh, well, "Well, you know, well, 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 he didn't really mean, you know," but he actually to walk in a measure of power that is not uh that does not come from our humanity; that comes yeah. from his deity. It comes from his power. Mm-hmm. So, to answer your question, uh, are the gifts of the Holy Spirit? available and active today i think you could ask the question is the holy spirit real today Mm -hmm. and if the holy spirit's real today then everything that the holy spirit has always been he will always be and that is the same yesterday today and forever and so yes i believe that everything that the disciples had available to them that the early church had available to them Mm -hmm. uh, we have available to us yeah and i think the issue is Uh, not is it available to us? The issue is, are we willing to receive it and accept mm-hmm. it and actually
0: walk in it? Yeah. And I think one thing that's always stuck out to me too, in this question, of course, you know, we do have to simplify these questions to the point where they can be discussed. But of course this question and many like it are, are extremely complex. And I think when you really boil it down to is, you know, Christ told his disciples, as you said, and, that, that, you know, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and we yeah. see that we see that 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 power is exhibited in Acts, and I've heard people call them power encounters or whatever. I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. But the idea that when the disciples and the early church believers came up against the powers of darkness, that they did not respond in their own power. Yes, they responded with prayer and fasting, but they also commanded demons to leave they they healed sick people and um, we see that in acts just even the shadow of of peter walking past healed people and so sometimes when i'm asked this question i ask people do you think that the powers of darkness do you think that the enemy has changed his strategies and his tactics because of course he hasn't people i mean we still see right now in all over the world we see more spiritual warfare than than maybe ever um, in different ways and different forms yeah. and so i would say then why would the Holy Spirit change? Why would the Holy Spirit remove uh, this very tangible and real manifestation of its power in the form of of healing, in the form of prophecy, and of course teaching and preaching and and all these other things? Um, Why would he change his way of doing business, so to speak, if the enemy is still very much alive and real in the same way that he was in the first century and before it just it almost to me it doesn't make sense honestly uh it doesn't make sense logically and i also don't find a lot of biblical basis for the gifts Mm -hmm. being ceased
1: it's primarily the arguments that you hear are 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 far more historical than they are biblical um you know and i i grew up in a cessationist very legalistic baptist environment and so i know um you know i've heard all the things and and this is not to To say or paint any group of people as superior to another, you know, there is so much that is beneficial and good to gain from, um, you know, the predominant cessationist individuals. Their emphasis of the authority of Scripture is so needed. But but I've not yet met a. Charismatic uh, in the circles that I communicate with, um, that would that would answer the question: Do you believe in the inerrancy of Scripture and do you believe in the authority of Scripture any different than a Baptist that I've met with? Mm-hmm. Almost every, I mean, every charismatic that I've been around or met, um, they would say they believe that the Bible is the authority on all things um, mm-hmm. to do with 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 God and our knowledge of Him, and that it is inerrant, you know, Mm -hmm. and there's some outliers, some people that are kind of creeping in the people questioning the inerrancy of scripture, but that's covering Mm -hmm. even that's honestly covering a lot of the reformed camps as much as it is anywhere else. Yeah, And so this reality, a lot of times it's the hyper intellectual Christianity that will fall more into the argument of questioning the authority and inerrancy of scripture rather than the charismatic, uh, uh, sect of that. And so I, I don't, I just think that one of the predominant fears and where it came from is this fear that, uh, you know, that, that, you know, people will, will, prefer the gifts over the authority of scripture right and 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 therefore there's this false belief that comes of people who are charismatic there the bible is kind of less valuable to them Mm -hmm. than other things because they're operating or walking in these gifts they'd rather have an emotional moment where they get to do something crazy rather than know the bible and Mm -hmm. i've just not found that to be the case i've not seen that to be Mm -hmm. the case
0: you know And And I haven't either of course, you like you said there's outliers to every movement, but of course, um, so I think one thing though that that trips people up and it, and it's really more oftentimes we're we are guilty of of painting caricatures of the people that we disagree with, and a lot yeah. of times it's it's from lack of understanding really it's um, so the one i I think that maybe needs to get addressed in explaining this question is the reason why many people who accuse charismatics and we continue to use that generalized word i want to emphasize again for anybody listening there's no such thing as just one charismatic group or charismatic theology we're talking about people who um whose worship and community is defined by the presence of the holy spirit we should say Mm -hmm. um but they would say i would assume that the reason why they accuse charismatics of of uh diminishing the influence of the authority of scripture is because of the gift of prophecy is i've seen many people accuse charismatic groups of placing a new revelation through prophecy over scripture can you kind of speak to that as what your response to that has been
1: (laughs) i i absolutely um I absolutely would love to speak to that. Yeah. So I want to first say, you know, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3, it speaks of the role of both the gift of prophecy as well as other spiritual gifts. And it is uh, a New Testament belief about the gift of prophecy is that it's for the edification, exhortation, and comfort of God's people. Old Testament prophecy was for hearing the directional voice of God and that being the authoritative statement right new testament definition of the purpose and role of the prophetic gifting is not to provide direction or authority but to provide edification exhortation and comfort to build the body up in their most holy faith and to comfort those who need comfort to know that wow the lord's voice really does speak to me I really can hear his voice and I can grow in my ability to hear his voice all the more. I think the second thing is James 1.17, every good gift comes down from heaven. And so, you know, it is the definition of salvation, you know, the Greek word sozo, which is complete wholeness, right? Um, that we are to experience his goodness experiencing the goodness of God is an essential part of salvation. Um, It's not just getting our ticket stamped, you know, it's experiencing the goodness of God and how can we experience the goodness of God apart from the fullness of God? Um, And that includes the gifts. Um, And I think the, the, the last part thing that I'll say in response to, to what you're saying. So I, I think the resistance that we have then um, is we misplace a fear, Jeremy. I think we, 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 instead of acknowledging the weakness of humanity and human character, uh, we would rather blame the gift or the theology. And the reality is, is that humanity is a weak and broken and has been since the beginning of time david a man after god's own heart used his god-given authority to impregnate a married woman and murder her husband to cover it up So a man after God's heart has that broken of a character, and yet we get mad when and, and think that someone has been dismissed from being used by God and is somehow a full-blown heretic because they take what they believe was a sincere prophetic word and they sometimes manipulate it to mm-hmm. bring about their own personal desires and preferences, except yeah. how many Baptist preachers manipulate an altar call every week? Mm.
0: Yeah. So now, you know? we're stepp- See, now we're stepping on toes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what yeah. I'm saying is is yeah.
1: human weakness and human character is not uniquely mm-hmm. charismatic. It's Dude, uniquely yeah. human. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But we, for some reason, when it comes to things that our minds can't comprehend as much, such as the Holy Spirit speaking, and you know, oh man, praying in tongues. Wow, mm-hmm. I can't understand what you're saying. Therefore, it must be demonic. Like that. Mm-hmm. Like to me, that's. I mean, I had to confront my own root of pride in that particular area in my yeah. life. I didn't realize that basically the reason I had apprehension towards it was because I couldn't understand it. And that means I had exalted my own intellect above the authority of the Bible that, that very clearly
0: says it's there and it's real. Mm, yeah. No, you're you know? 100% right. Yeah. And so often in, in, you know, when we talk about groups that um, it seems like there's many Christian groups who who do spend a lot of time accusing the charismatic movement of things that, uh, maybe it comes from lack of understanding, maybe it comes from a fear, but these are groups that do place a lot of emphasis on understanding scripture. Um, And, and, and oftentimes these are groups and, and and men and women who belong to churches and and they themselves are teachers and preachers of the highest quality and Mm -hmm. they understand the Bible as well or better than almost anybody else. But oftentimes it seems as if this stumbling block of theirs comes from the fact that it can't be explained very well. Mm -hmm. And and to anybody listening who who maybe that is a struggle of yours, I would encourage you to say, if God is who he says he is and God is who we say he is, it, it would follow logically and of course biblically that there would be quite a bit about him that we can't understand. And that we can't put into our finite human minds. Yeah. Well, by saying, Jeremy, that prophecy,
1: tongues, healing, deliverance, all those things, because I can't resolve that. Therefore, to come to the conclusion, therefore, it can't be real, um, is to arrogantly make the statement that I can fully comprehend and explain to you salvation i can mm-hmm. fully comprehend and explain to you baptism and the bend this and the depth of significance of it and it's to say all of these other areas i have been established as an expert in mm-hmm. and i know Fully, the total eternal implications of these things. So, therefore, because I can't do these, they can't be real, and it's ultimately yeah. rooted in human pride. And I'm not—I'm not calling anybody specific out. I'm just saying that you know that 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 it's da- it's it's far more dangerous to come to those conclusions emphatically mm. and concretely when the Bible really talks
0: about these things a lot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and and also too carrying into you know carrying the idea that you could even do evangelism by your own human effort i've done i I mean i've done evangelism quite a bit and there's times where i realize oh i can't do this like i just i mean i can't i need i need the holy spirit to guide me and put the words in my mouth put the reasoning and logic and in the in in my brain and it's like and so even the things like you said that we think are done by human effort honestly if they're done for the lord they're not done by human effort, right? It's all right. grace. It's all uh, charisma. And so and, and so that goes back to what you said. Every true believer is charismatic in some sense of the word. Mm-hmm. So,
1: yeah. yeah. We always operate... I mean, there's, there's always throughout biblical history been this mysterious unity between his sovereignty and humanity's availability. Mm. Um, you know, he sovereignly works, but he sovereignly works through humans who make themselves available and come voluntarily into agreement with him. I mean, mm-hmm. um, there's this blending of his sovereign purposes and his people's availability. And spiritual gifts, um, I believe they operate only with human availability. I don't think the Holy Spirit's ever going to overtake you, Jeremy, and make you speak in tongues i think you have to open your mouth and start moving it and make noise Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like we're going to talk about tongues or we're going to talk about prophecy he's never Mm -hmm. going to just you know it's any more than he's going to come upon i mean when's the last time you as a preacher of the gospel right you preach the gospel Mm -hmm. often as a pastor right when's the last time the holy spirit just came upon you and preached completely through you Mm -hmm. and people were saved and you had nothing to do with it right There was no role that you played, right? And that's the, I think that's the issue is that, well, you know, I've prayed and I've asked him to fill me with the, you know, give me the gift of tongues and he hasn't done it yet. So therefore it must not be real. Mm -hmm. And my question usually is, well, did you open your mouth? Mm -hmm. Right. Did you start praying? Did you start making some kind of noise with your mouth? Because because there's always a human element. you know, right. the supernatural is his super combined with our mm-hmm. natural. yeah, right? Yeah. And that's what makes it so mysterious and beautiful is it's a partnership between a very spiritual reality that he resides in and a very natural, physical mm-hmm. human reality that we reside in, and he's marrying the two together. Mm-hmm. you know? And that marriage touches every part of the, 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 what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It's, it's marrying the reality of there is an eternal cosmic God who has come so low as to want to be married to the weakness and limitation of humanity. Mm-hmm. And there must be a partnership between that weak limitation of humanity and that completely sovereign, unlimited power of God.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and man, you know, we could continue talking about gifts. In that sense, but I think if anybody's listening, they, they're here in our hearts. I, I do want to hit a question that someone had yeah. specifically about tongues, because usually when we're talking about charismatic theology, somehow or another the conversation gets to tongues. Uh, I think you and I would both agree there is an overemphasis on both sides on tongues sometimes. Mm. Um, and so th- this question comes from uh, at Struth Ruth, who uh, asked why is there in talk speaking about charismatic groups, why is there a strong belief that speaking in tongues is proof that you have the spirit and I would throw in there you know why is there sometimes a strong belief because of course, as we've said a couple times, not every yeah. charismatic group's the same, but but yeah, so I, I think this is alluding to the idea that you'll find sometimes that um, tongues specifically is a proof of what might be called the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or yeah. tongues sometimes almost, uh, you know, is evidence of a, of a maybe even a, a in some groups, you might find that it's evidence of a furthering of a sanctification. Um, and of course, there's a wide range of beliefs in there. So can you speak though, to, to what is the place of tongues in the church? And maybe uh, to somebody who's not been around a group that the, the gift of tongues is, is seen a lot. Um, what would you say to that person?
1: Yeah um I mean that's a it's a great question I think um in in preamble or in preface it's uh it's important that we that we don't let um the the these details separate the unity of the bond of peace which yeah. so many so often do you speak in tongues therefore you're so much different than I am that right We can't, we're still brothers and sisters Mm -hmm. in Christ. If you speak in tongues and I don't or vice versa, but I do think, um, you know, if we examine the scriptures, right, because that's got to be our authority the Bible on the day of Pentecost, I mean, the Holy spirit fell on that assembly of 120 believers and all of them were filled with the Holy spirit began to speak in other tongues. It says in acts Mm two verse four, right? They began to speak in tongues and they were filled with the Holy spirit. They had, Been set apart, they'd been chosen, they'd been uh, redeemed by Jesus and their relationship with Him. But then there was a moment when the Spirit came upon them in a unique and special way. And one of the first discernible and noticeable fruits of that was they began to speak in other tongues. And later we see Peter preaching at the house of cornelius in acts 10 and it says the holy spirit came on all who heard the message and they were speaking in tongues and praising god in verse 46 and then again the apostle paul was ministering to the ephesian disciples in acts 19 and he says the holy spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied um it's evident that paul also was filled with the holy spirit in acts 19 verse 17 and first corinthians 14 18 tells us that he spoke in tongues more than any of them. Yeah, And so there is clearly this pattern in scripture, just even in a handful of scriptures that we just, you know, that i just shared mm-hmm. um, that shows speaking in tongues is, uh, is an initial evidence of being filled with the Holy spirit mm-hmm. right now. I want to say that I don't side with a lot of charismatics who would say it is the evidence. Sure. But I believe it is. A evidence mm-hmm. the reality is this is upon salvation there is the 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 filling of the indwelling spirit the confusion comes when we talk about being filled with the spirit being something a separate event from salvation mm-hmm. um, the confusion comes in whenever uh we 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 think of the statement being filled with the spirit as the same thing, like the indwelling spirit being the, you know, having the indwelling spirit, which uh, seals us until the day of redemption being the same as the idea of the theology of being baptized in the Holy spirit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, right. there and, and, and you know, like uh, I grew up Baptist, I believe in baptism by immersion. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, salvation happened at one time. Mm-hmm. and then there was a follow up there was a there was obedience to the bible of being baptized by immersion mm-hmm. in water there's i think there's more significance to that than just the public proclamation portion right. of it Mm-hmm. I think that's part, I think that's a significant part of it, but I think it's the first opportunity of obedience. Like, mm-hmm. will you do this? Are you, mm-hmm. are you for real? Like it's yeah. deeper than just, Hey, I want to make a public proclamation by going under the water. Yeah. You know, and so it's the thing goes in, but then there is, when does the spirit begin to flow back out of me and transform the world around me? Mm-hmm. And so do I think that has to happen in just like a special moment where you're filled with the Holy spirit or can it be, you know, a a a process of you know like paul said be filled and go on being filled, right? Yeah, right. It's a it's a constant process of being filled to overflowing, with your acknowledgement and awareness and recognition of the you know power of ten billion nuclear bombs that's going off on the inside of you called the Holy Spirit. I mean, there's mm-hmm. power to transform things that lives mm-hmm. inside of you, and if you're not con- like operating in that and seeing that happen, then it's not flowing out of you. And so there is a need for you to be filled. Does that make sense? It's not a salvation issue. It's Mm -hmm. an issue of, are you walking in the
0: fullness of what Jesus purchased for you on the cross? Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think it's important to, to even emphasize what you started off with is that it's, and I think it's a healthy clarification that you made that it's not the evidence of Mm -hmm the Lord working in you yeah. or the the evidence of salvation but an evidence of salvation and sanctification I think that's a healthy distinction that yeah. honestly more charismatics I do think need to make and that's one thing that I've had to work through myself of like looking at scripture and saying, okay what what do we see here and we see that there were plenty of times where it wasn't the signifying marker of sanctification or salvation um, or at least it wasn't right. mentioned and so you know in, a, in addressing the question is is that yeah like there's sometimes there is too much of an emphasis, but then on the, but to answer that overemphasis with de-emphasis is unbiblical as well right. is, yeah. is to say, okay, maybe you've never spoken in tongues, but that's okay. But also don't look at somebody who has, or maybe it is a larger part of their corporate worship and to say, oh, you're just, you know, you're, you're, you're overemphasizing something because we do see that time Mm -hmm. and time again in very seminal moments of the gospels of, of, of acts. Um, And then of course, two of of times that we didn't even see Paul said, like you said, Paul said, I speak in tongues more than any of you. And, Mm -hmm. And we don't, you know, we don't know what the context of those moments were, but, but it, but yeah. it is it can be a signifying marker in the life of belie- of the believer the writer of hebrews says that god is perfecting those who have been perfected and so we see that there is this ongoing yeah. process of growth and sanctification and to to the person who asked this question honestly it's not so much that a signifying marker is tongues but a signifying marker of sanctification is the gifts of the spirit um yeah. and that's and that's you know all of them. And then even ones that, you know, I think like you said, obedience, obedience is an act of grace. Like we are not obedient apart from God, you know, just working in our hearts. Like we could not be obedient without him uh, and in the Holy spirit working in our hearts. And so it's all evidence of grace. It's all evidence of salvation. And so, yes, there is an overemphasis sometimes, but once again, to de-emphasize tongues, to avoid an overemphasis is is an overcorrection that leads to uh, similar oversights. That's
1: a car wreck, sure. Oh, it's 100%. a car wreck. Yeah, you're about to hit something on one side, and you overcorrect, and 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 you hit something on the other yeah. side. I mean, it's yeah. it's it's a car wreck, but it's you know we have to look at the what 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 do we see in the Bible about the role and purpose of tongues in the life of a believer, and that's what Paul says: it's for the edification of self. Mm-hmm. And so it would make sense that that would be one of the initial things for a for a young believer to experience, mm-hmm. a new believer to experience, is because you know you love others the way that you love yourself, right? You, mm-hmm. you, you right. minister if if you are not built up, edification, exhortation, and mm-hmm. comfort, right? Edification is about building you up, exhortation is about sending you out, and comfort is about fi- you know comforting, mm-hmm. obviously like the the building up of your inner life is so significant to your ability to be effective in your external outer Mm -hmm. life Mm -hmm. you know and in your interactions with other people and 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 so it would make sense to me why if paul describes the definite the purpose of this gift why it would be one of the initial gifts Mm -hmm. that begins to operate in the life of a believer. But again, I'm not one of the charismatics that believes that it's the only um, affirmation or evidence of being truly in cooperation, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, But I do believe it's one of them. They're available far more than sometimes we uh, we allow. Um, And then the other part of it is I believe that it's far more valuable and important than we realize. Mm -hmm. I believe there's a deep significance to it. I mean, how often do you go to the place of prayer and you don't know what to say? Mm -hmm. And part of that gift of speaking in tongues is that it is of praying in tongues, praying by yourself in your closet with the Lord is being able to cooperate with the groanings of the holy spirit as he intercedes on your behalf because you don't have language Mm -hmm. to explain what you are going to the lord with but you know you have desperation and need and it's a means and a by by which to give expression and agreement and cooperation with the holy spirit as the holy spirit you know groans with groanings that are and utterances that are too deep for words you know as the apostle paul would say
0: so yeah Yeah. Well, and, and so that, that conversation is one that I like to tell people all the time, you know, Hey, we haven't nailed it down in 2000 years. um, So let's just continue to, to prayerfully seek the wisdom of the Lord. And, and if you're a believer who's listening to this and you're still struggling with, okay, so what, what should it look like in in all that? I'm going to, at the very end of this, I'm going to give you an opportunity to reach out to caleb and whatnot on social media but don't don't give up just because we don't understand something that that means let's not throw it out um and so so i do appreciate And that, let's not that divide over it that's oh goodness gracious yeah well and that's the thing too you <laughs> know that's the thing too is it, it, we have so much division right now in the church and a lot of it is over um you know if somebody wants to divide because they don't believe jesus is divine or that the atonement yeah. It didn't happen. Cast them from among you. Yeah, sure. It's like, you know? okay, these are there, <laughs> yeah, there's we need to divide sometimes. But then because we don't understand something, or because we have a different interpretation of of a teaching that makes our worship look different, uh, okay. You know, it's like, yeah, maybe you know, I, I think I've said before, like um division doesn't have to be divisive. Like just because I worship differently than you we We can't throw each other out. We can't yeah. um, say he's less than a Christian um, or, or or less of a Christian than I am and, and and unfortunately, we see that so much in the American church right now, and so we have to fight against that. That's honestly the work of the enemy. I mean the work of the enemy it is, is. is that, that he wants to divide us um, in any way he can and that's that's one that he's using um, in the season that we're in in the American church. but um, some of our
1: so much of our division comes over 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 culture differences Mm -hmm. of culture but we take our culture which is our personal preference right yeah yeah our culture is our personal preference it's what we it's what we grew up knowing it's what we grow up most comfortable with it's how we mostly view life in our worldview and you know in america we have you know hundreds of different subcultures that exist Mm -hmm you know, within this country. And so we all come from little subcultures that have ingrained in us little preferences. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, is that when we canonize our personal preferences, we come into this place of, of, of actually spiritual pride and, and even seduction, like Mm -hmm. where, where we will manipulate anything, including the scriptures to meet our, preferential culture. I mean, if you go to the other side of the world and -hmm. you worship with Brazilians, for example, which have a deep connection to the nation of Brazil, their worship's going to look different than the typical American church. But if you go to the Northeast of Brazil, it's going to look different than it does in Mm -hmm. the South. Um, And we have to realize that some of our differences are just cultural. They're Mm -hmm. not that we believe anything different. They're not that we should find something different that we believe. It's that I worship in this way because there's a cultural part of me that expresses, uh, my love to the Lord in this way. And so mm-hmm.
0: I think if yeah. we are
1: honest about that, then it would do us a whole lot of good.
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think, um, we need to continue to allow the Holy spirit to help us discern. Okay. What is something that needs to get addressed? And what is also just a, a difference in culture difference in in opinion, and even sometimes a difference in interpretation of scripture. Um, but not one to be divisive over. So, um, yeah. Well yeah man, I I mean there's more that I want to hit but honestly we're we're short on time so I want to I want to give you an opportunity to do something that you are uh uniquely adept at and and to anybody listening uh who doesn't you know know of Caleb or know Caleb like I do, uh Caleb's one of the the best uh worship leaders I know and not just because he's a skilled guitar player and singer which he is. Um, how many hours, roundabout, have you led worship in the prayer room? You've told me this number before. It's astronomical.
1: Um. Oh gosh. I mean, twelve hours a week for seven years.
0: Okay. So somebody, so, whoever's whoever's good at math. <laughs> Go ahead and, put, and hit me with that on Instagram. With that, twelve hours of
1: live worship. Twelve times fifty-two yeah. times seven. Yeah, whatever something that
0: like that. The, the calluses on this guy's hands from playing guitar are are, are nasty. But uh, but so anyway though. But hey, from, sure from my hands, bro. <laughs> so but from from that time, you have gained a perspective that few others have on worship, and so often in in the evangelical community worship is three songs that precede a sermon if there's a worship leader listening what do you say to them about what what you believe the the lord wants from his believers no matter their culture no matter where they are in the world but when when we talk about worship what should we be thinking and what should we be striving for in our churches for seeing genuine worship to the lord um yeah i mean based off your experience in your heart for worship
1: yeah i think worship is first and foremost is ministry to god you know we have ministry to people um the preaching of the gospel um you know healing the sick feeding the hungry clothing the homeless um Mm -hmm. acts of justice um we have ministry to people but there's a very sovereign and holy thing called ministry to God. And the biblical expression of that is, is worship and worship in the Bible is really only defined in two primary ways, either sacrifice or singing. Um, and so there's great significance to this uh, reality of singing to the Lord, that for some reason it matters to him. You know, I think that it has to do with how singing um requires the fullness of our humanity um in order to sing you you know it you need air in your lungs so you need a physical act of inhaling oxygen and then the movement of that air through uh, your vocal cords to create vibration and resonance and Mm -hmm. um so there's a physical act there's a physical aspect of engaging your human body in worship and through singing. And then there's, you know, um, there is a mental capacity where you have to consider lyric and, uh, and then turn that lyric into a movement of air through your vocal cords. So there's a, a mental processing that is happening. Um, but, uh, you know, also the way the human soul and emotion is tied mm-hmm. to music and singing is so yeah. real that's why music is a universal language i've mm-hmm. never met the person who says they don't like music they like mm-hmm. different styles different genres different yeah. lyrical content but i've never met the person who says you know i just don't like music at all um, mm-hmm. because there's something wired in the human dna out of all of the art forms that we have um, it's it's universal mm-hmm. and so it's it's t- very tied and knit into you know human emotion some of the greatest musical performances that you can think of are the ones not where the note was placed perfectly and the pitch was just spot on but where the emotion mm-hmm. was obvious and present and it was there right and yeah. so when it combines and encapsulates the body the mind the spirit the emotion, um, it's holy to God. It's a it's a declaration. Singing to God is a declaration. All of me is yours in mm-hmm. this moment. I'm giving you every bit of who I am. Right, mm-hmm. my body, soul, mind, and strength. Um, and so. I think that we have to go into it with that understanding that we're really ministering to the heart of god mm-hmm. and 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 we're really offering ourselves as a living sacrifice mm-hmm. to him when we go before him and singing. and so that would be the first and the second thing uh, real fast would be that um that worship should never be treated as the thing that prepares people to receive the Word of God right um, <laughs> because that diminishes worship which is which is an eternal expression i mean a billion years from now nobody's going to be preaching we're all going to be on a sea of glass or wherever mm-hmm. we are and we're but 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 we'll still be singing we'll mm-hmm. still be worshiping and that, that's, that's not to diminish the significance the importance no, of yeah. preaching there's so much in the pilot role of worship primarily as it prepares people's hearts to receive the word they've actually got it backwards the word of God is to reveal to us the character and nature of God the identity of God so that when we go into worship we have a grid of understanding about who we're singing to mm-hmm. yeah. so it's not worship prepares our hearts to receive the word it's actually the word prepares our hearts to worship Yeah. and so if we can I would love to see worship leaders in America make that shift in their understanding that they're not trying to ramp people up emotionally so that they'll engage engage with a preacher, that they're actually leading people before the throne of a holy God in something that is an eternal, holy act to sing Mm -hmm. to the Lord and minister to him.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think that's beautiful. And if there is a worship leader listening or somebody who just, I don't know, I mean, they, they look around sometimes and say, this can't be it, right? This can't just be what we're supposed to be doing. We sing three songs so that Jeremy can come up and and give us three points and, and all these things. Yeah. And, and, and they're right. This isn't it. another friend of ours, Caleb Ives, who is a phenomenal worship leader in his own right. Yeah. He t- he said one time, and it just killed me um, because I am predominantly a, t- a teacher, right? I I, I I I play guitar sometimes and sing sometimes, but uh, my role typically is as a teacher, but it's been humbling for me because one time he said, uh, Worship leaders need to be the best theologians because long after the sermons are forgotten, the songs are remembered. Absolutely. And, And that goes right back to what you said is that there is something at the heart of man to where we respond to worship. And I do believe that that is in some form or fashion part of being made in the image of God is that God desires our song. He desires our singing. He desires our praise for him in that, in that he, has, he has ministered to you by that. And so it is an amazing thing when you, if, if you're going to pick up a guitar this Sunday, or you're just going to sing in, in a church, whether that's online right now, outdoors, inside, whatever, wherever you're at, if you stop for a moment and pause and say, I am about to minister to God. He desires to hear my song. I bet you, you don't just treat them as three songs that precede an offering that precedes the main event, which is the sermon. And so I think we do need to adjust, allow the Holy Spirit to adjust our hearts on that. And I, and I guarantee you it changes your singing, um, your, your guitar playing, your drumming, whatever it is. Um, and so I, I think you're spot on with that, that we do need to allow the Holy Spirit to adjust our heart and how we, we even just see the act of worship and things will change.
1: Yeah, there's a 18th century uh, politician and author um, and statesman, um, Scottish guy, Andrew Fletcher, mm-hmm. and he made the statement: um, uh, "Give to me a nation's songs, and I care not who write who writes its laws," mm-hmm. um, because there is an obvious correlation between what we sing and what we become. Mm-hmm. And if you know, if you look at you know, the, the cultures of the world, the music and the singing and the content of those songs and the feel of those songs in many ways drive the culture of those cultures, you know, the, the, the culture of those subgroups. Um, and uh, I believe in the body of Christ that I agree with our brother, Caleb Ives um, mm-hmm. tremendously that, that, you know, it is a responsibility of, of worship leaders to have a have a, pursuit of a depth in the word yeah. um because we literally are as worship leaders putting words in the mouths of people mm. that they are giving to god as an offering mm. there's yeah. weight to that preachers don't have that weight because they're not mm-hmm. putting their words into the mouths of other people yeah You know They're saying them themselves, so they'll stand before him on that, but I believe worship leaders will stand before God based upon the words they put Mm. in the mouths of hundreds and even thousands of people.
0: And how they do it too. If they're getting up and singing and saying the right words, but they're saying it and singing it to be seen, to be heard, to be glorified, that, I mean, I'm not going to say that they're going to. I don't know, face a harsher penalty. I don't know. I mean, but, but, but stop, just stop doing that <laughs> because, yeah. and it goes and it's the same for teachers. You know, it's, it's the same for preachers. It's, it's not about oh, yeah. us when we begin to figure out it's not about us. Yeah. Oh man, everything just drastically changes and it becomes sweeter for everybody, namely the Lord himself, that he can receive our worship and praise as an offering. You know, yeah. um, it's think- an amazing thing. I think we have to
1: remember 1 Corinthians 13, love, though. I mean, love, <laughs> like love, biblical love, doesn't allow us to believe um, the worst about a person's intentions. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It says the love believes all things, literally transliterates and translates believes the best. Mm -hmm. And so even when we see a worship leader or a pastor that appears to be in some ways doing it for show or their own personal Mm -hmm. gain or any of that, we actually have a biblical mandate and a command from God to actively choose to believe the best about that Mm -hmm. person. And if we, you know, I, I feel like one of the issues that we face as a worship leader that I, that I faced more than maybe any other is this constant feeling of being judged Mm -hmm. based upon if this is a little bit of vulnerability based upon how i move my hands or how i make facial expressions when i Mm -hmm. sing and maybe i'm just passionately in the moment but if you know you're on a platform and people are looking at you and so in that like there is this like judgment of people are, you know, and, and, and there, there really is a culture of specifically for some reason toward worship leaders. It's not even quite as bad. I don't think towards pastors and not both, right. I'm a preacher and teacher and I'm a worship leader. So I get it from both angles Mm -hmm. and it's not nearly as intense. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's like, it's so easy for, Mm -hmm. you know, people in the body of Christ, people in the church to question the motives of Mm -hmm. a worship leader Um, you know, based on what they see in a 30 or 45 minute worship set on a Mm -hmm. Sunday morning. And it's like, I I just want to say to the body of Christ as a worship leader, please love Worship, love your worship leaders well, just Mm -hmm. like you try to love everyone else, and believe the best about their intentions Mm -hmm. and trust that the Holy Spirit is still in the job of convicting hearts. And Mm -hmm. if they are genuinely in it for the wrong reasons, then the Spirit's going to make that obvious to them. Right. And it's, or is going to make that obvious to someone who has a real close relationship with them and Mm -hmm. can actually bring up the conversation
0: and talk to them.
1: Just, believe
0: them and let them lead you Mm -hmm. yeah and i mean and like you said if you do have a doubt or or you see a shortcoming pray like pray for them first i mean don't don't i don't know i mean i think i think it goes for all leaders we drastically need your prayers uh drastically need your prayer more than your praise (laughs) you know i mean uh hands down the vast majority of people in ministry the vast
1: majority are not in it for and at least initially for any kind of mm-hmm. personal gain it's yeah. not like ministry pays awesome unless right. you're like a wealthy televangelist, right? Which right. is the top point zero zero one percent of people in ministry, right? Yeah. It's not like the pay is that great. It's not like there's some. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like I couldn't do anything else, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like right. it's not like I'm incapable of doing a job that 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 provides me a different level of mm-hmm. lifestyle. So there is a measure of sacrifice to people who are doing yeah. it, and, and I just think it's it's helpful in keeping pastors and leaders and worship leaders encouraged to just actively choose to believe the best
0: yeah well man I, I i think you you spewed out a lot of good nuggets and stuff for people to chew on and i want to let people uh just kind of process everything they've heard from you today if if you're listening and you want to reach out to caleb make sure to follow him at caleb edwards on on instagram um caleb d edwards caleb d edwards uh on Instagram, um, but also follow at Naoth Movement. Uh, it's in the show notes, and so go in, and find uh, that link there. Um, Caleb is in the process now of helping equip. I mean, really, you heard him talk about Brazil. He's he's traveling right, not at the moment. Neither of us is traveling at the moment because of COVID. But um, but so, but he's in the process of traveling and helping leaders plant prayer movements all over the world, and um, and Naoth Movement. The work he's doing with that. Is part of that seeing genuine worship and praise and prayer uh, spring up all over the country and the world, and so make sure to follow him there. Um, and, and and if you have questions about anything you heard him say today, don't don't forsake reaching out to him and, and hearing more because he is a phenomenal teacher, uh, phenomenal uh, worship leader, and all the things. And also uh, check out the IHOPKC uh, app, Roku channel, Apple TV, all that. He's on there, uh, like he said six or seven times a week and, uh, leading there. And so, um, but Caleb, I'm so appreciative of you giving me your time, giving us your time. And, uh, we'll have to, we'll have to do it again sometime soon. Cause I think you have more to say.
1: Absolutely. Jeremy, thank you so much, man. This has been awesome. I've appreciated it. And thank you to all the listeners for, for mm-hmm. jumping in with us.
0: Absolutely, man. Until next time.